When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Happy Monday. Oh, do we have a fantastic show planned for you. And I said we because Uncle Jimmy's here, as always. Thank you. Suited and booted, ready to go. All right, listen. Greg Couch is going to join us uh, shortly. He's written a column about uh, Allison Felix and her being the star of the Olympics. Uh, Delano Squires, Professor D., will be in the house. He's written a column about uh, the Washington Post story that came out this weekend talking about uh, lynchings in Mississippi. There have been eight lynchings over the past 20 years in in, uh, Mississippi. And the Washington Post is arguing lynchings have never stopped. It's the same as as if it was 1850. Uh, So we'll get to the bottom of that with Delano. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah. Uh, but before we do any of that, what you going to do, man? What you going to start a fire, Jim, because that's what we do here. We start fires uh, for more than 40 years. The Pro Football Hall of Fame speeches have been my personal state of the union address. I love football. It means the world to me. Faith, family and football truly shaped my worldview. Yesterday, for the first time in a long time, I felt better about the state of our union. Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, Alan Fanica, and Tom Flores were all deservedly inducted into the hall on Sunday. The day before, the NFL enshrined 20 other men into Canton. The large Saturday ceremony was partially because COVID wiped out the 2020 ceremony. It was also oversized because the world has turned soft, lowered its standards, and fears offending anyone. We'd rather diminish the prestige of the Hall of Fame than fend off the complaints of a few entitled football players. Whatever. Saturday's circus did not stop my enjoyment of Sunday's festivities. Football's Hall of Fame speeches are my barometer for the mood of men. Based on what I heard from Manny, Johnson, Lynch, and Fanica, the mood of men is moving more toward responsibility, accountability, and action. Manning talked about protecting and supporting the game of football. Johnson discussed helping men and women who live with pain. Lynch called on athletes to be leaders in promoting unity. Fanica, who suffers epilepsy, spoke about not letting your obstacles keep you from your goals. Take a listen. When we leave this stage tonight, it is no longer about us. It is about cultivating the game that has given so much to us. It's about nurturing football to live and thrive another day, another year, decade, and another generation. It's about guaranteeing that kids everywhere can learn, bond, grow, and have fun. My journey through life and sports has led me to a point of pursuing a new legacy. For me, that legacy is improving quality of life for athletes and others. For those who are out there suffering in silence and living in pain, for those who feel like there's no hope for better days, with my partnerships, I'm committed to helping people elevate their wellness. Each of us comes from a different walk of life, but when we huddle up, we huddle up as a team. It doesn't matter where we come from or your background. All that matters is the fulfillment of one goal, victory. Tonight, I advocate that we take the lead of football and huddle up as a people, as a great nation. Let's find the common ground through our shared values. Let's celebrate and learn from our differences. I knew as long as I listened to my doctors and followed their guidance, along with the strong support system, I would be fine. I have always told myself and spoken about the fact that epilepsy is part of me, but it does not define me. 
Their speeches conveyed a message of personal responsibility. This is, generally speaking, always a theme when successful people relive what defined their success. However, in the previous two hall ceremonies, the mood of men was heavily influenced by fraudulent social media activism and narcissism. Wide receiver Terrell Owens skipped the entire 2018 ceremony. Frustrated that he wasn't a first ballot inductee, Owens held a private ceremony at his former college. Fellow receiver Randy Moss wore a tie with the names of black men and women he argued were victims of racist police brutality. In 2019, defensive back Champ Bailey ended his speech calling himself an expert on blackness and scolding anyone who didn't support his narrative on racial justice. Listen to Champ from 2019. But we are all black men first. Something we have more expertise in than any aspect of our lives. I'm a firm believer that if you want to create change, you better start with your friends and your family. So I'm starting here today. The first thing people see when they look at me is not a pro football hall of famer or a husband or a father. They view me first as a black man. So on behalf of all the black men that I've mentioned tonight, and many more out there, who've had the most of the same experiences I've, I've had in my lifetime, we say this to all of our white friends. When we tell you about our fears, please listen. When we tell you we're afraid for our kids, please listen. When we tell you there are many challenges we face because of the color of our skin, please listen. And please do not get caught up in how the message is delivered. And to my black brothers, if you do not have anything positive to say about our social challenges, please keep your mouth shut. Yep. Some of the greatest football players of all time turned the Hall of Fame ceremony into the victimhood Olympics. On Sunday, from the men who, des who deserved to make it to the Hall of Fame, Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, Alan Fanica, and Tom Flores, I heard no cries of victimhood. I heard examples of how determined you have to be to make it in this world. That's what we need to hear right now. That's what I'm used to hearing at the Hall of Fame. As a kid, before there was an ESPN or an NFL network, we would only get to see highlights of the speeches during halftime of the Hall of Fame exhibition game. So we only saw bits and pieces of what Dick Buckus and Johnny United said in 1979 or what Deacon Jones said a year later. I know I found the highlights inspiring. I would immediately make my mother listen to the speech I planned to deliver three decades later when I joined football idols in immortality. Now, the Hall of Fame ceremony is a major TV production. Far more than the contrived ESPY Awards, football's Hall induction ceremony is the Academy Awards for sports. It has become sports' greatest annual celebration. The inductees give emotional and profound speeches. To the best of their abilities, grown men express sincere gratitude to the people who helped them fulfill a lifelong dream. It's the equivalent of a dead person announcing at their funeral that they're in heaven and that they briefly return to earth to thank the people who steered them on their journey to the pearly gates. You smile, laugh, cry, and applaud while watching the ceremony. Maybe this year's ceremony pivoted to substance and facts because of the time constraints placed on the speakers. They were instructed to keep their speeches to six minutes. Most of them spoke for about 10 breaking the recent traditions of inductees speaking as long as 30 and 40 minutes. Now, I loved every minute of Ray Lewis's passionate 30-minute speech and every second of Tony Gonzalez's composed 40-minute speech. 
But brevity sparks discipline and focus. It eliminates time to virtue signal and grandstand. It eliminates narcissism. There's only time to say what you really mean. It feels like we're running short on time to rescue the American values that made us free and unique. It's time for men to say what they really mean. I'm so glad these football players did it yesterday. And some of them did it on Saturday, but I didn't watch because I was too frustrated. Uncle Jimmy, what? What? You looking at me like I did something wrong. What? Did they induct Drew Pearson into the Hall of Fame yesterday? Unfortunately, yes, they did. Did you have his name in your little soliloquy this morning? Fortunately, I did not. I said the men who deserve to be in the so Hall I, of so, Fame. Okay, all right, so I ain't crazy. Go ahead, go ahead. What? You left him out. Go ahead. I knew it was something to it. Go ahead. You got a problem with it? You think you Drew damn Pearson, right I got a problem with it. You think Drew Pearson's a Hall of Famer? Honest to goodness, a Hall of Famer. Well, did, did he catch the Hail Mary? Did he catch the Hail Mary from Roger Starback? Who's the guy that caught the Hail Mary from uh, Eli Manning? David Tyree? Yeah. In the Super Bowl? Does he belong in the Hall of Fame? Okay. That, that, that ain't the same thing. <laughs> that ain't the same thing. Don't go there. Don't, don't go confusing what? facts. Don't go confusing facts. <laughs> Look, Drew Pearson was a nice NFL player. Drew Pearson was sweet. Go ahead. He was a nice NFL player, but he wasn't no damn Hall of Fame. And I don't care that he made the 1970s all-decade team. That's because, you know, he played at a unique time where there wasn't great. But it irritated me that Drew, Drew Pearson, and he complained his way into the Hall of Fame, and his speech wasn't any good. Admit His speech was the worst speech yesterday, tell the truth. How many times did the man say Pro Football Hall of Fame? Well, but he said it well. He <laughs> said well. You, you know, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, See, this is what I don't like about you, man, because you tear up my <laughs> Drew Pearson during the first game, the, the that first game last week with the Dallas Dallas and Pitt, whatever. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh and, all right. Yeah. He, he, they were interviewing him. He was talking about his inductee. Then he showed how he commemorated his inductee. Jason, this fool commemorated his induction with tattoos. You know what? I didn't know that story, but I thought I saw tattoos on his hand. Yeah, man, your boy got... Bro, why you got to get your name and your number tattooed on your hand? At 70. At 70. At 70, Jim. You know how wrinkled your skin is at 70? <laughs> <laughs> I was one... I thought I saw tattoos on his hands. I was like, this man... He was... And he just got just got him on there. Got one here and got one here. And so, Jim. So I guess not, I guess last night wasn't gonna be enough for him to remember that. What he's not a Hall of Famer, Jim, and he didn't act like one. And his speech wasn't no good. And he doesn't. Again, they keep desperate. He ain't the only one to keep. They keep adding more and more people to the Hall of Fame. There used to be a time when they would only induct two or three at a time. They had twenty people go in this weekend. It's ridiculous. Go ahead. Right, let me ask you this. Let me ask yeah. you this. Because yeah. I noticed you didn't say nothing about Charles Woodson. What about Charles Woodson? Did you did you see his did you see his speech? I'm Charles Woodson Charles said that Charles Woodson. I, I think that Charles Woodson and what, what's that boy's name? I think Charles Woodson and Champ Bailey. I think both of them was singling you out during their speech. Because Champ Bailey said, "No, what did Charles Woodson say? You jumping around?" Well, because I'm going to first. I'm going to tell you what Champ Bailey said. He said, "For those of you who don't have anything nice to say about our struggle, we just heard him on shut TV. Up. He's talking about you." So Champ Bailey said, "I mean, excuse me." Charles Woodson said yesterday, his mama came out and presented it for him. Presented him, yeah. That was, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so he busted out into a boys to men rendition. Yes, he did. Mama, you know I love you. <laughs> Mama, you the geek. <laughs> I never problem with that. Yeah, okay, I got you. Then he said, uh, for those of you who say that, uh, well, let me get this right. Those of you who say a single mother can't raise a man, I say bullshit. He did say that. He did say that. I know. Look, I would look. My mother did a great job. Now, my parents were divorced. My father was involved. My mother did a great job. 
her and my father got along well enough to co-parent me and my brother and all that. But it sounded like I don't, he never mentioned his father. But look, there's a lot of people. That, that's almost like, and no disrespect to Charles Woodson and his mother. No disrespect at all. Hats off to his mama and what Charles and his brother, because he said she raised two of them, hats off to what she did with her kids. But that's like someone that lives to 102 years old saying, I smoked every day of the week and can't no damn body tell me that cigarettes cause cancer. I'm living proof. And again, we love to have an anecdote. This is why I talk about the, the, the dangers of an anecdotal worldview. When you take an example, a one-off or a two-off or even a 20-off or me a hundred thousand off and say, I know a hundred thousand people that smoked every day and didn't die of cancer. And, and the studies will say, yeah, but I know 30 million who did. And I think it's great what Charles Woodson's mama did, what my mama did, what many single mothers have done. But the stats are overwhelming. It doesn't work, not nearly as well as two parents. And, and, and you know, it worked for Charles and his brother, and it sounds like him and his brother had a great relationship, and his brother, they pushed each other and drove each other, but we got a bunch of emasculated black men out here running around. They're making commercials for them every day of the week. You, you, you can't turn every damn TV commercial highlights an emasculated black man. And we can sit here and every TV show uh, spotlights an emasculated black man. And we can sit here and say like, man, they distorting our image, they're blah, blah, blah. But when you have a culture where 70, 75% of the kids is growing up in single mama households, single grandmama households, granddaddy households, the, and black boys are going, they're not being taught how to be men. They're being taught how to stay up on a day mama, or uh, many of them are being taught how to be their mama's replacement boyfriend or husband. They teaching women how to excel and be women. Nobody's teaching young boys how to, it, it's, the facts are just the facts. You said it right there. What? Right there. You just said it. You, that's what you always say. You said when, when men are raised by women, you just said they're very, they're, they're emotional. emotional. Yes. You do realize that he was the only person last night. He was the first person that cried. He's the only person that cried. Calvin Johnson fought back tears. I, did, I don't care what you fought back. He fought back tears. I'm simply saying. Yep. What, what have you said? You said that they're emotional. I have to be honest with you, man. I saw Look, Jim, I'll say that I'm going to defend Charles in this aspect, but you're right. It's a legitimate point. I'm going to, if I was on a stage talking about me going into the Hall of Fame, if right now, if I'm just, right now, if I'm, I'm literally just thinking about talking about what my mama did for me, yeah. and I'm getting emotional. I understand. And so, and I'm just, I'm just sitting here, just, there's three of us in this room, and, and, you start talking about what your mama did for you when she really did some things for you, it'll make you emotional. But imagine if you talked about what your mama and your daddy did for you. I would get extra emotional. And if I talked about my brother and what he did for me, if I talked about my sister and what she did for me, All right. I talk about my grandmother, Mama Lovey, and what she, I, it's, hard for, I, it's hard for me to even say her name. So I get, Okay. but, but you make a point, he did get a little emotional. Right. Now, on to your little uh, Champ Bailey, uh, him taking a shot at me. I think that I, I'm just asking. Did, did, did you take a little a, a little subception to that? I did take exception to it because, but I don't think he was taking a shot at me. But if he was, uh, more power to him, and he can get this work if you know if he really wants to have a debate with me about any of this stuff he's talking about. Because sitting there, uh, those of us. And particularly in 2019, when he made that speech and he said now basically caping up for Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, whomever. Uh, 
we got bigger issues than that. And we have bigger issues than fighting and screaming every time somebody uh, fights with the police. Look, Michael Brown grabbed that policeman's gun. And, and according to the Obama Department of Justice, uh, prove like, man, uh, Darren Wilson was justified in what he did. And everybody in that neighborhood knows that Darren Wilson was justified. And, and I hate to say this because it's, it's, it's sacrilege at this point now, but I, I'm going to say it. I've seen some documentaries on Trayvon Martin that'll blow your mind. That Trayvon Martin ain't the victim that they make him out to be. There's documentaries with real strong proof. He whooped George Zimmerman's ass and was banging his head against concrete. And there's a reason why George Zimmerman walked. And, and the facts are the facts. And I'm just, and, and, and they, <laughs> there's a doc, somebody go look up the documentary where they, <coughs> the, they brought, they created Ben Crump and the police or whatever put, the prosecutors put a, this woman on the Please stand. Please never call that man for me. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, so anyway, Watch some documentaries on Twitter. So, Champ Bailey. Is he an idiot? Yes, he is an idiot, in my view. And, and, and I, I just, I love, and Jim, everybody knows my dating history. I'm not, everybody knows I got no problem with interracial dating. I got no problem with white women. Everybody knows that. You know, I don't, I don't run from that. But damn it, I'm tired of these guys. If you watch Champ Bailey's speech, I'm tired of these guys Getting up, what having a pro-black say? moment. What you great say, man? And he kept calling out to his little young, tenderoni, uh, 25-year-old white woman that he's married to. And I- I'm just, I got no problem with it. Hats off to you, Champ Bailey. But you're not Malcolm X. You didn't marry Betty Shabazz. You married Becky. And <laughs> that's, that's just facts. And, and I'm not trying to disparage any of those people. You, I live a very transparent life. I'm not trying to disparage, but I'm just getting tired of it. What's All that phrase? These, What's your phrase? Uh, they, 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 they like to claim blackness, but they want to participate in the fruit. What's that phrase? Yet? The phrase is they, they love the fruit, but hate the tree. Mm. So every time one of these little white tenderonies fall off a tree, they fall in love with it. And then they want to talk about how they hate the tree. Mm. But he he picked him a ripe apple, and now he wants to run around like he's ashamed of it. They need to cut it out. You got anything else? What did you think about the short speeches? What did you think about the short speeches? I already said, I, I, I think it made him better. I think it made... You, you, you didn't think that there wasn't... You, you didn't wish that Peyton had more time. Oh, definitely. You, definitely. you, you did not feel that Peyton... Oh, Peyton was so prepared and so good and could have spoke for 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I love the long speeches. If they had brought Ray Lewis back up to do a second rendition or an extra edition of his speech from 2018 or whenever it was. You know, you, you know good and damn well Ray talked too damn long. No. No, Ray talked too long. No. And you know who talked longer than Ray? Tony Gonzalez. Well, he had a, he had a reason to talk. <laughs> I was getting ready to say. Now, Tony, look, he thanked. Tony was great, too. Tony thanked Steve DeBerg. <laughs> he thanked Dan Sally Amoui. He thanked Neil Smith. <laughs> thanked Derek Thomas. Yeah. You know, I mean, he went down the list. Yeah. You know, he, he, he thanked your boy, Joe from Diamond Joe's. Uh, no, he didn't. Don't do that to me. <laughs> he did thank me, though. I know. I, <laughs> I was getting there. Anyway. Stick around. We're going to uh, roll out to Chicago and talk to our buddy Greg Couch. We'll get his take on G-Nice. G Nice, yeah. We'll we'll talk to Greg here shortly. But, uh, Jim, I want to break some news to you. It's on the way. You know what's Mm. on the way? Mm. That new grill we've been waiting for. Okay. It'll be here this week. And you know one of the first things we're going to do when it gets there? Uh... Unpack that good rancher's meat. That good American grass-fed, all-American beef. Free. Yeah, and <laughs> we're going to unpack some of the greatest meat that my my brother called me about Good Ranchers yesterday. He's been watching the show. He's like, Jason, is that Good Ranchers as good as you say? I say, yes, yes, it is. And my brother has been on this kick of he hasn't eaten meat. I don't think in two or three years. Mm-hmm. And he's like, 
I'm, I'm going to uh, start eating chicken again. And I said, well, look, I'm going to hook you up with good ranches. They got seafood. They got everything. Top of the line, fresh off, fresh American made. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to send it to my brother and his wife and kids. And so we'll be grilling it here in Nashville. We'll be They'll showing be, it off. Showing we'll, it we'll off. Showing They'll it be off. showing it off in Cincinnati. You cannot beat the Good Ranchers experience. We're going to be showing you the Good Ranchers experience right here uh, on this show and over our social media. If you subscribe, if you subscribe, you will get $20, $20 off and free express shipping. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Fearless to get $20 off and free express shipping. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Fearless. Welcome back. Let's roll out to Chicago and bring in Uncle Jimmy's favorite sports writer, uh, which really irritates me. How could I not be your favorite sports writer? Come on, man. You, 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 an old thing. You, 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 you old. Greg's new. New. That, that's oh, a new yeah. thing. You know All what right. I'm saying? Let's roll out to Chicago. Greg Couch uh, has written about Allison Felix and her performance in the Olympics and why perhaps she's the goat of track and field. But uh, Greg, before we get to your Alex Felix column, uh, I'm hoping. What in the hell? What? What are you? Oh. Hey, what hey. the hell done happened to your hair? <laughs> What you done done? You done cut your jerry curl off? <laughs> I damn it, you look like one of the members of Full Force. <laughs> <laughs> he did look like one of the members of Full Force. The hell done happened to you? I've I'm been complimenting you. Oh, hell. I'm a little We done took two steps forward and one step back. Come on, Jason. You know, oh, he just he kind of looks like Rand Paul. I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> with this haircut. But, Greg, before we get to your Alice and Felix column, uh, do you have a take love. on my uh, Hall of Fame uh, column and commentary, NFL Hall of Fame? I do. I think that you're seeing the start of a sort of a cultural revolution or a cultural sort of counterculture movement here. By and it's kind of cool that it's coming from a bunch of old tough guys. You know, I think you know you you have guys talking about working hard and 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 um, taking accountability and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, because what culture has been lately has been telling women to get stronger and men to get weaker, and now you have these tough guys from the past going, "Nah, I'm, I'm not I'm not buying into that anymore," and I think what you're seeing is that people at a certain age, say 30, 35, older, wherever, are looking at the kids and you know kids today kind of a thing and saying, "Hey, these kids." They're, they're, they're spending all their time on social media. Their parents are telling them that everything they do is the only important thing in the world and everything they're doing is right. And so if something goes wrong, these kids are looking around and going, well, something's wrong, so someone else must be doing something wrong, so how's it gonna be fixed for me? And I mean, to be really honest with you, you know I'm a college tennis coach and I am actually fighting a little bit of a crisis of this myself because I came in here four years ago switching from journalism to tennis as coaching and my goal was to help kids. I wanted to help these kids through a tough time in their lives. And what I found is there are kids who want that help and who are who need it and want to work their butts off but could use a little extra help. But the, a lot of them are just there willing to take. They're just, oh, Greg's here. He's willing to give. So I'll just take as much as I can. So I think what we're seeing now is, you know, you see Drew Pearson talking about his mistakes and saying, you know, I own them because they were my mistakes. You know, Alan Fanica saying, you know, we're we're in charge of our own destiny. I, I believe it was something along those lines. And so I think they're sending messages to a younger generation. And uh, I really like it. And uh, uh, yeah, I agree with your column. It was a really good column. And one more thing. I don't think the media is helping out with this message at all, because, you know, the, the, all the media we're writing was, uh, you know, uh, Drew Pearson takes jab at Mike Ditka. Or, or, you know, Manning takes jab at Tom Brady. Is that really what they saw happening? Because there was a lot more going on. It's what you said. It was sort of men taking taking control of saying it's time to take responsibility and be men, strong men again. So I really liked your column. You know, I don't, Jimmy, did, did Greg read my column? Because Drew Pearson's name was never in my column. Uh, Drew Pearson uh, did not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame and Greg comes in here quoting Drew Pearson. Well, is he trolling me or or? Uh, evidently, that you wanted to know why you were no longer my favorite columnist. This is why, because of takes like that. Greg and I agree. 
Oh, oh. By the way, can I, I just realized who yeah. Greg looks like. Oh. Greg looked like Remy from Higher Learning. <laughs> <laughs> Remy from Higher Learning. Jim, this is the thing about Jim and movies, Greg. I got to explain this. Jim's a movie hardcore buff. He thinks everybody else is a movie hardcore buff and has watched everything. There's probably three of us on the planet who off the top of our heads know who Remy from I disagree. Learning, learning it. Corey, hey, do you man, know who all Remy of y'all is? Corey he don't count. Why he don't Everybody count? Everybody that's watching this show at six o'clock in the chat on YouTube. <laughs> hey man, hit in the in the comments and tell this man who the hell Remy is. <laughs> Corey Actually, don't even wanna know who Remy is. Man, Corey's so 17 years old. <laughs> All right, Dave, do you know who Remy is from Ireland? Oh, Dave knows. There you go. Oh. Chris, do you, you know, know why? Because Dave's a real one. <laughs> Chris, do you know? Chris don't know. Me, Chris, and he Corey don't He was a Catholic. Don't. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Catholic priest. In oh, oh, of course. I of remember. course. He performed exorcisms. That's an inside joke. I'm sorry. Yeah. You do realize we still got a guest here. Yeah, right? I do. I know. And I want to talk about Greg's Allison Felix column. Greg, uh, you seem to be suggesting Allison Felix has a case to be the GOAT of track and field. How come? Well, I mean, I think she has a case, although I would still put it with Carl Lewis. But she's she's won 11 medals. No, no Olympic American Olympic track and field athletes ever won that many medals. But really, my point is a bigger point, in my opinion, which is that we really needed her right now. I mean, she she look, these Olympics were about failed superstars. It wasn't really about superstars. We watched Osaka melt down. We watched Simone Biles melt down. We watched Novak Djokovic melt down. And so what we saw, Allison Felix, though, you know, she she you know, she came through at 35 years old. She actually in the 400 meters, she was ahead, fell behind and then came back up and still won the medal. That doesn't really happen that often in sprints. You don't usually have that many ebbs and flows. And what we've seen a lot was these all these athletes who were pr- promoted as big superstars melt down and talk about mental health. And we have mental health problems. We need help. And where's Allison Felix in this? She's just strong and, and, and smart. And she's got a two-year-old baby. And she's beautiful. And she's rich. And she's successful. And she's smiling. Every time you see her, she's smiling. She might have been the only person in the Olympics we saw smiling in, in a major sport. So I think she <laughs> sent a great message. She's sending a message to, she's an important message that parents need to see right now. This is this is the path, the path that we've been following with Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka, where we turn these four-year-old kids into professionals and work their way up their whole lives, take away their childhood. That's not really the way to go. This, the, the, these kids are messed up, even though they're already the best in the world, Biles and Osaka. Allison Felix, I mean, look look at her. She's just a perfect picture of success right now. So I think she's, is she the greatest of all time? I, mean, I don't know, but she's up there. She's one of them. But she's definitely the greatest, most important athlete of this Olympics. You made the point that she actually took on and challenged Nike, whereas someone like LeBron James would never challenge Nike or China. Explain that story, and why do you think she's different or more courageous than perhaps other athletes? Yeah, actually, that's a big part of it, because I feel like LeBron's and a lot of these other people, again, Biles, they're all sort of puppets of these of, of these corporate sponsors, you know, Nike tells them what to think. Nike tells them how to move. Nike tells them how to behave. You know, Allison Felix decided to have a family. I, I want to say three years ago, and she got pregnant right when her contract with Nike was ending. She's a superstar, and Nike offers her a deal. She said that was worth 70% less than what she'd been making already, and that's because she got pregnant, and they didn't think she'd have the results. So she she tried to negotiate. This is all her side of it. This is the way she t- she wrote an editorial in the New York Times explaining all this a few years ago. She went back to Nike and said, "Look, give me a six month window to get back in the shape I need to be in and, and have success. Don't count. Don't hold my results against me for six months." And they said no. So she said, "Well, you know what? It's not just about me, but it's also women in general or who decide to have families. This has been had become an issue in track and field and other sports. And so she stood out. She went and wrote that editorial for The New York Times and it, she affected change. She stood up against Nike, which is something athletes don't do today. And then she went and when she went to have the baby, she had to have a C-section at 35, 36 weeks, something along those lines. And she found that she had a health issue that she didn't know about. 
and it could have affected her, could have ended her life. It could have ended her baby's life. And uh, and she started studying it, and she realizes that a lot of black women have this issue and other health issues in pregnancy. So she started standing up for those things. So we keep seeing all these athletes, apparent, supposedly social justice warriors, and I, I'm not sure they ever mean it. It feels like there's a there's a corporate backing behind it, and also just a self a self you know there's a there's a way that they're going to improve them their own status and make more money out of their stances. It's annoying. With Alison Felix, she stood up for something she believed in. It's just again a healthier look. It's just a, 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 a it's just much better. It's just a much better way to go about it. And and the results are what the results are. She's won more medals than Carl Lewis ever did, more than Wilma Rudolph, more than uh, you know any of Michael Johnson. All these you know all any any other American athlete you can think of in track and field, they won fewer medals than Alison Felix. Jimmy, when I read Greg's columns, one of the things that crossed my mind is Allison Felix is attractive. She's happily married, uh, has a family, the, the whole nine. And, and it made me want to ask, and I'm, I'm asking this legitimately, does being attractive, does that make her less attention starved than perhaps some of the other athletes that keep, and particularly female athletes, that keep doing demonstrative things to draw attention to themselves. I'm putting you in a tough spot. It's a tough question, Greg, but uh, if you pass on it, I'll answer the question and say, hell yeah, that's why <laughs> she is less attention star. But anyway, I'm asking you. I, I don't think that's, I mean, she is highly attractive. I don't think that has anything to do with what you're talking about, though. I think the corporate endorsers, they only go after attractive people. All right, we're going to let Greg go. See, this is why I like Greg. We're going to let Greg this go. This is what I like Thank about you, Greg. 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 I just totally disagree with the answer. We're going to let Greg go. Greg, I'm, you do realize you messed up, right, bro? No, no, he didn't mess up. Yeah, he, you, you, lobbed, you lobbed him to softball. Yeah. I lobbed, no, I, I, it was a fastball inside pitch, but I, could, I don't blame him. He's married. He's got a daughter. He's got people to answer to. I don't, so I'm going to let him go, and I'm going to tell you the truth. Let you, we're letting you go, Greg. Jim, I'm going to tell you the damn truth. If I was Greg, know, I wouldn't come back and see your ass tomorrow. You know, this is the truth. Honestly, Jim, if that woman wasn't that attractive, she wouldn't be so happy. That's just real. And that's not even their fault. This world is hard, harder. You saying that ugly women are running around here just angry as hell? This world is harder on them than unattractive men. Take, take myself. Most people find me really attractive. But there's another side of the argument that I'm overweight. Some people believe I'm overweight, five to seven pounds, and think that, but, but the world is easy on me. Even carrying these extra five to seven pounds, the world is easy on me. If I was at an ideal weight, I mean, my God, they just throw rose petals at my feet. But you can be, not talking about myself, I'm more talking about you. Right, right. You can be an ugly man like yourself and still get a job. Bro, on let me TV. explain something to you, bro. bro I can be anything I want to be in life, but ugly. I damn it, I can be gay, but I damn it, I won't be ugly. Jim, I look good. Jim, I, <laughs> Jim, you know you're not attractive, but you still have a job in TV. It's much harder for women uh, in your spot. That women that have your kind of looks, generally speaking, don't get these type jobs. Women that have my kind of looks, they do get these kind of jobs. WWE, <laughs> working in the Underground Railroad. I'm just, I'm being dead. I'm being, I'm being actually serious. I'm making a funny point with Jim, but I'm being dead. Look, I know that the world favors men because I get to sit on TV shows. Generally speaking, women that look like me, they don't get that opportunity. And it makes them angry. And it, 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 they do extra things for attention. There's a way for oversized guys like me to go play football and be celebrated. I'm not discriminated on the job because I'm overweight. Uh, but I think overweight women, women less attractive, they face a level of discrimination that makes them a bit more attention starved than Allison Felix or Sidney McLaughlin. Cameron Hall. You know who this woman actually looks like? Oh. She looks a lot like Jamel Hill, if you ask me. Allison Felix? Yeah. St Jim, stop it. Yeah, that's what she looked like. Stop. You're trying to provoke me to say something I shouldn't say. I done stop. told you who Jamel Hill is. Pretty brown eyes. 
You know. You have Jamel confused with Kari Champion? No. You got her confused with Maria Taylor? No. Hannah Storm? No. <laughs> She's not Allison Fields. But I, I hear you. It's beauty's in the eye of the beholder. There you go. And I'll be honest, the more I think about it, there is. If Jamel was fine, she'd look like Allison. <laughs> <laughs> Just keeping it real. All right, I'm cutting into the Lano's time. We got to go. Go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit that subscribe, like button. Get you. Uh, and please hope that I come back tomorrow and I'm not in a bunch of trouble. All right, we're going to go out to D.C. and bring in Professor D. and talk about this Washington Post story about lynching. Stop. Welcome back. Welcome back to Fearless. Stop it, Jim. That's why my mother called all upset. But hold on. What I do to Miss Joy? for a second. Let me apologize. No Delano. We had some technical difficulties. But we do have a Bible story uh, from Uncle Jimmy. Okay. Uh, but I do want to warn you, my mother called me this weekend upset about your Bible stories. To, Jason, you tell Uncle Jimmy, don't be playing with Jesus. Yeah, Miss Joyce, that's your son doing that. That's not me. <laughs> but you know what, man, I'm going to tell you, this is funny you say that, because I talked to my mama. My mama called me this morning. Oh. She calls me and she says, so, baby, uh, what you doing today? <laughs> what you mean? She said, What's, what, what Bible story are you telling today? I said, oh, I said, I'm going to do the story of Jesus and the Holish woman. And she hung up on me. If you had called me and told me that, I would have hung up on you. <laughs> And I know Mama keep watching because I'm part. We doing the Bible stories. Are you really telling the story about Jesus and, and the Holish woman? Jesus and the Holish woman. That's Jesus, what it's called. Jesus and thoughts. That's what this is about to be about. Jesus was involved in deep thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Go ahead. What's the deep thoughts here? Well, first of all, let me tell you, this story takes place at the Mount of the Olive Garden. Mount of the Olive uh, they had olive gardens uh, back in biblical times? And it sat on top of the mountain. That's why it was called the Mount of the Olive Garden. And it wasn't until they got franchised that they came down off the mountain and thus became the Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> did they have breadsticks? Yes, they did. See, that's, what I, see, that's the thing. See, Jesus was just chilling. See, they was, Jesus was there chilling, trying to just get away. And he's just like anybody else. He's there. For breadsticks and salad. That's it. He don't want nothing else. <laughs> Have you ever gone into an Olive Garden with a little, uh, carry a little sack or something so you could stuff some <laughs> breadsticks and carry them up out of there? Have you ever? I wonder. No, I, Jason, I ain't never went to the damn Olive Garden with Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't from the right kind of family then. But <laughs> I'm just, I wondered if Jesus, maybe he had. You know, some tough. Can I finish my story? Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Can I forget? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, man. as Jesus is sitting here chilling in the Olive Garden, yeah. the Pharisees kick in on him. Now, let me explain this to you about the Pharisees. The Pharisees was always trying to hit Jesus with the okie doke, always trying to hit him with the whoop de whoop, always coming at him with some huckamuck. And this particular time, they come to Jesus, bring this woman before Jesus, said that the woman is guilty of being an idolater. An idolater? I'd... An idolater. They said that she was, they, they said that she was a whoremonger. Mm. They said she was a trollop. Mm. They called her a hoochie. Mm. Hmm. I guess, they, uh, why did they call her a hoochie? Did she work at a strip club? What was the deal? I mean... Look, man, I can't tell you all of that. All I know is they said that she was caught in the act of adultery. Adultery, now I get it. All right. Okay. She was okay. caught in the act of adultery. Okay. Go ahead, continue. Now, okay. And, and here's the deal, though. Because back then, if you got caught or you got charged with adultery, 
The penalty was you had to get hit in the head with a brick. Hold it, hold it. They wanted Jesus to hit a woman in the head with a brick or they wanted him to co-sign them hitting the woman in the head with a brick? Well, first of all, you kind of get in the head of the story. Oh, my bad. See, this is what, see, if you read your book, you know that the Pharisees was always trying to get Jesus caught up. In other words, you, Jesus, this is your rule, and this is what you say. Throw a brick at her, Jesus. It's your law. Mm. And, and, and see, this is what I tell you. I say that Jesus was what they call amazingly cool. Because he's just cool. He didn't trip with a man. Jesus sitting here, man, he's just looking at his little laptop. He ain't even tripping, man. He, they going on, they hollering at him. Jesus, what you going to do? What you going to do, Jesus? And you said he's amazingly cool. Is that where the term amazing grace comes from? Is that what you're ba- He had an amazing grace. You're calling it cool. See? He, he had an amazing grace about him. Gotcha. He had an aura about him. Got you. All right. Now, 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 see, it was at that moment that Jesus hit them with this little ditty. He said, okay. He said, I need that he of, of I need he that is amongst you that is without sin to cast the first stone. See, I remember that. I didn't know that's where you were going. I didn't realize that's where you're going with that. He who has not. He who has not sinned cast the first sin. That, yeah. Everybody knows that one. And everybody knows that. Yeah. But did you know the next thing he said? No. He said, the Bible said that he told him, he said, let he that has cast that an Instagram model for a massage, <laughs> let him cast the first stone. <laughs> Went on to say, let he that ain't took a college co-ed and paid for a pair of silicone boots, <laughs> let him pass the first stone. It said, let he that has never had a lap dance on the back of a camel at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> let him pass the first stone. You acting like he was talking to Robert Kraft or Deshaun Watson or somebody like that back in those days. Or me back in the day. That's the old me. But anyway, I wouldn't have been casting any stones, Jim, and neither would you. Look here, man. Yeah. Jesus told the men, he said, look here, man. I got text messages. I got videos. I got pictures. He said, what y'all want to do? Y'all want to handle this like gentlemen? Or y'all want to get down and do some gangster-ish? What y'all want to do? And it was at that moment that Jesus said to the woman, he said, lady, where are your accusers? And she looked up and she said, I don't see them. He said, that's because there are none. He said, now I need you to get up, go on your way and sin no more. And she said, Jesus, what can I ever do to repay you? He said, I'm going to tell you just like I tell everybody else. Next time I come back around, bring me a peach cobbler. and We'll call this thing. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) So Jesus had a thing for peach cobbler. That seems to be a theme in some of your Bible stories. He, 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 he was doing this. He was Obamacare before it was fashionable. <laughs> no, that sounds like diabetes care. Give <laughs> it everybody. <laughs> Have me a peach cobbler. <laughs> but, but he Jesus. Yeah. If his leg need to be cut off, he'll just touch it and put another one back on. <laughs> Come on, man. You messing up a good story. <sighs> a peach oh, yeah, cobbler, Jesus, huh? Diabetes. He, he ain't that. He, he ain't that easy. Just a. I've had to do more repenting than just a peach cobbler. Now I've had, you know, I'm trying to sin no more, mm-hmm. but you know, it's more than a peach cobbler. Anyway, let's, let's go to our approval rating for Peyton Manning, uh, who went into the Hall of Fame. You think your mama gonna be mad at me for that? One? Probably, although she makes a hell of a peach cobbler. So. <laughs> she does. <laughs> she does. So between her and my aunt Dorothy making peach cobbler. You know, you know why black women can make peach cobbler so well? No. They think they're going to get to see Jesus. They know Jesus like peach cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably it. Okay. All right, Peyton Manning job performance. You know how we do it. Scale of 1 to 25. Peyton Manning. Woo. Uh, hard to be down on Peyton Manning. But job performance, Jim. I have Peyton Manning at a 23. 
He's finally going back to work. He's doing some work for ESPN. He and his brother, Eli, he's kind of been slippery and kind of, you know, not wanting to do anything. But before I can give him a perfect score, I got to see the work that he does uh, with his brother. So I've given him a 23. There has never been another quarterback that I've enjoyed having my team being beat by than Peyton Manning. John Elway? I hate John Elway. Love John Elway, my favorite player of all time. All right, character. Uh, look, I love Peyton Manning. I think his character's great. He had that little issue, controversy at the University of Tennessee, so I can't give him a perfect score. I give him a 21. Uh, I give him a 25. <laughs> did you not see him on Saturday Night Live? I did. When he, when he had the little kids doing the football camp? Yeah. And he was knocking them little kids in the head with that football? <laughs> He plays a hell of a character. Hey, man, that was nice. All right. Authenticity, I have him at a 20. I think it's hard to be completely authentic when you're the face of the NFL and such a brand like him. But still, pretty authentic. I give him a 20. Did you not see the commercial when he kicked his little brother in the ass when his daddy wasn't looking? <laughs> that was a real kick. <laughs> that was authentic. Authentic. You got him at a perfect score again, 25. It factor... Uh, you know, I don't think he's definitely got the it factor. People are mesmerized by Peyton Manning. I gave him a perfect score of 25. I'm going to tell you something, man. Yeah. Peyton Manning changed my life. I, I adapted. I changed some of my life around to Peyton Manning. With me and my dating life, I would go out and I couldn't get the pretty little young skinny girls. There wasn't nothing left but the big girls. So I had to call her audible. Omaha! Omaha! Suey, suey on one! Suey, suey on one! Oh, perfect score of 25. Man, you got Peyton Manning at a perfect score of 100. I got him at 89, a smoke show. Uh, Peyton Manning's blazing hot. Blazing hot. You got him blazing I got him in smoke show. All right, that's it, and that's all Peyton for Manning us. was surgical. We got to go. Tamara's about to come on. She's blazing hot. Yes, she this song is. is. You haven't heard Freedom. You're in for a treat. Stick hey, man, why don't you put a video up of this? Let people see for themselves. They'll, trust me, after you after you see tomorrow, you'll like this song a whole lot better. You know what? We may do that. Maybe we'll bring tomorrow here to Nashville and shoot a video for Freedom. Freedom. All right, we got to go. That's it and that's all. See you tomorrow. Freedom. I want freedom. Negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on a corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving, all receiving We all wanna be free We want freedom I just wanna, I wanna be I just wanna, I wanna be I just wanna, I wanna be I just wanna, I wanna be, I just wanna.